satellites communicate with each other and with us thanks to a vast range of types of antenna, from telemetry to telecommunications to GNSS and beyond, the permutations can seem endless. So for episode two of the Space Antenna Makers, we met up with an expert in the field, Maxime Romier, PhD, formerly antenna expert at the French space agency CNES, and now chief technical officer at AnyWaves. To get us started, I asked him about the many different antenna designs. Okay, let's take a tour. It's a big tour. Antennas, just to remind you what it is. At the beginning, it's a device, hardware, that converts a guided wave into a transmission line, into a radiative wave, into the free space. So it is characterized by many features. It's a concept and a technology, and we can rely on a lot of different concepts and a lot of technologies. For example, if you start with low frequencies, you will have some wire antenna technology like dipole, helix. And if you move to higher frequency, you will have some PCB-based technology, printed circuit board like patches. And then if you move to higher frequency, sometimes you will find some waveguide technology like horns and so on. But it's always a combination of a mission, a concept and a technology. So Maxime had filled us in on some of the designs out there, but I wondered why the range of technologies used is so wide. There are so many types because engineers are very inventive first, because there are lots of constraints that may differ depending on the application. And so there is no one size fits all for antennas. You will try to make products that fit an application but at some point you have to consider various designs. If I take an example, uh, we can have antennas that are designed to radiate an hemispherical pattern because you don't know the direction where you have to transmit the power or receive the power. And some antennas have to be directional or directive and focus the energy into a direction. So it depends on what you need and you have to pick the right technology for your need. By now, in my mind's eye, I could see a dizzying number of antennas circling the Earth. But I had noticed that there were two big families, hemispherical and directional antennas. I was curious about the differences. So let's take an example. We can have a TTNC, telemetry tracking and command antenna, which is on the spacecraft and have to communicate with Earth all the time with a lot of availability. So this antenna will be hemispherical. For example, it will work in the S-band at two gigahertz. And you will have this antenna on both sides of the spacecraft and you will have an almost full coverage around you. Then if you want to have more data rate and have a better performance, you will prefer a directional antenna. And this is the case for a payload telemetry antenna, for example. If you have to bring down the pictures you've taken from space, then you have to use, for example, the X-band antenna at 8 gigahertz with a very directive narrow beam and to point at the ground station. And then you will have more data rate than the previous one. Less available, but with more data rate. That was one big question answered, but I knew the field was more complex. I'd also heard of active and passive antennas. How could an antenna be passive? Surely its vocation is to transmit data. Doesn't that make it active? Again, Maxime Romier cleared up my confusion. 
Okay, there is a need for a definition about what is active. So an antenna conveys a wave. So if it's passive, it will take the wave in and radiate the wave. You won't need for additional power. When you talk about an active antenna in the more general way, it means that it requires a power supply to work. Just like if you need a battery inside with some DC current going in. So, for example, you can have an antenna with an amplifier just after the antenna combined in one piece of equipment. We will talk of integrated antenna. And also you have what we call more generally active antennas because most of the time when people talk about active antenna, they are talking about an antenna array in which every single antenna has its own amplifier, phase shifter, and it needs power supply to work. And we use these different amplifiers and phase shifters to have a steerable beam that can be directional in the direction I want and that can be reconfigured when I want. A passive antenna will be an antenna that will take in, for example, the radio frequency wave coming in. It will convert it into the radiated wave into free space and it won't require additional power supply to operate. I was having some trouble with the notion of a passive antenna, so Maxime helped me out with a very clear plumbing metaphor. If you imagine it like plumbery, so you have a pipe coming in and you have some water spreading out. I'd finally got the idea. So we'd covered hemispherical and directional antennas, but also active and passive. It was time to move on to the fascinating question of where these antennas are. Just how far up in space are they? This is a big range of distances from Earth to the satellite we want to communicate with, for example. So in deep space, we have to communicate at a very long range with ground stations. There is a deep space network, for example. And so you will require very directive antenna. Let's just consider, for example, to start the geo orbit, geosynchronous Earth orbit. It is at 36,000 kilometers from the Earth. If you go deeper, you go deeper than this and you can go to the moon, you can go to Mars, you can go to wherever you want to go. It's a very uh, pretty orbit because you don't have a movement, uh, a relative movement between the satellite and the Earth observer. So you can have a, a big antenna which has a directive beam, but not steerable necessarily, and you can have a connection all the time. So that was GEO, Geosynchronous Earth Orbit. The next one down is MIO. MIO is something in between, roughly, I won't be too specific, 8,000 kilometers to 22,000 kilometers. And then comes LEO. What we consider LEO is usually from 400 kilometers to maybe 1,500 kilometers. And it means if you go lower, there will be a lot of friction with the atmosphere. If you go higher, this is not LEO anymore. So over those three different orbits, there are three major uses of space antennas. Telemetry, tracking and command or TTNC antennas, global navigation satellite system or GNSS antennas, and telecommunications. I asked Maxime about those different uses. TTNC, it will provide the link from the spacecraft to the ground and it will be very available and this is something that we do with very small antennas. 
Then we have GNSS. In this case, we can be a user. We receive these signals and we use them to get a precise position and timing about where we are. So actually, you have the GPS for the US, you have Galileo for Europe, you have GLONASS for Russia, you have Beidou for China and, and so on. Telecommunications. You will have telecommunications to broadcast some programs. For example, geostationary geosatellites are used to broadcast TV shows. But more and more, of course, we have specific content. So it becomes internet by satellite. So there is a big trend now in telecommunications in LEO satellites with big constellations providing lots of data rates with a very low latency. In the field of telecommunication, there has been a big trend towards high throughput satellites that will give you a lot of data rate. And so we have moved from shaped beams at a geo orbit to multiple beams in LEO constellations. So this is an evolution that will deliver high data rate for the users with low latency. And it will be a big challenge for the antennas because when you are mounted on a spacecraft, which is a LEO spacecraft, you have to be usually very compact and to be very low profile to fit into the fairing of the launcher. A great many of the antennas we discussed are deployed on constellations of satellites, which have that name for a very simple reason. A constellation of satellite is, I would say, like satellites flying all together around Earth on a given orbit in order to have a global coverage or something close to global. Every user on Earth may have its own satellite just above him. This satellite will be a part of a constellation. And so if he can communicate with the satellite above him, he's linked with the constellation. And I wondered what antennas in constellations are used for specifically. Antennas in constellations are used for all the array of applications you can have. Telecommunications, GNSS for positioning. Uh, they can be used also for Earth observation. And you can have, for example, uh, uh, radars that will monitor the height of the waves of the sea and to monitor the Earth's ecosystem. Also, you will have some telecommunication antennas and this will be a very challenging aspect of it because you will have to communicate with lots of users everywhere below the satellites and you have to manage to give them access to telecommunications. So I was curious about what motivates the choice of a constellation instead of a single satellite. It's a matter of data rate at some point because if you have one big satellite that must convey the data for all the users, it will be too much for it. So you can spread the data rate into several satellites. That's the first point. Another point is that it's lower, so you have less path for the light to go to the users, to the satellite. And therefore, it will maybe reduce at some point the latency. So there are many advantages for constellations, but also you have to manage a trade-off between the number of satellites and the service it will deliver in the end. And I had one final question specifically about any waves in all of this. I wanted to know the difference between component off-the-shelf or COTS antennas and payload antennas. So to face with the various needs we have, we try to think two ways. First way is to have off-the-shelf antennas. 
that will deliver a feature that will uh, satisfy a large number of users. For example, you have the TTNC, it's almost the same need for everyone. You have the GNSS, you have almost the same need for everyone. And payload telemetry also is in this case. Then you have the payload antennas, and it will really depend on what is supposed to do the payload. So payload antennas will be designed for a specific need, maybe for quantity, if we talk about a constellation, but they will have to, to fit with a specific customer need. Therefore, we work with two legs. We have the cuts antennas and we have the specific antennas. And even for specific antennas, we try to, to get product lines, meaning that we won't make it from scratch every time. We will reuse building blocks and we will make them as industrial as possible. If I take an example, for the Arctic weather satellite, we have been proposing two antennas. Actually, we had a GNSS antenna that was designed to receive GNSS signals in order to have the position and timing. And we also had a telemetry antenna that was designed to downlink the data that you collect with this satellite. Well, I'd arrived to meet Maxime Romier with a whole list of questions, and I came away with a much longer list of answers. After that great overview of the complex and fascinating field of antennas for satellites, I think we've got the background we need for our next episode. We'll be meeting Matthias Nicol, R&D engineer at AnyWaves, to hear about the many ways in which space is harsh and how the technology survives the extreme conditions. Thanks for listening and watch this space for another trip beyond the Earth's atmosphere in episode three of the Space Antenna Makers. Bye for now.